Hey everyone, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci, and I dedicate this podcast to all you, my sweet lovelies. So glad you could join me today. You know, it's really funny. I was thinking about this the other day. When I do these podcasts, I really imagine like I have a living room, a tremendous living room, and all you gals are hanging out with me. We're all having a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and everybody's chatting up a storm. And then I pull up a pillow because I'm not going to sit on a chair. And I'm like, okay, girls, I want to have this fabulous conversation with you. I want to help you today. We're going to focus on one thing. Actually, we're going to focus on endometriosis and pelvic pain. But what I imagine is I'm talking to all you incredible women, and I want to help you demystify your hormonal issues and your struggles and all the stuff that dances in between. And there's so much stuff that dances in between. So I'm going to hold that image that all you sweet lovelies are hanging out with me in a huge living room. I hope to do this one day. It would be so much fun. And we're going to have a really good talk. And I want to help you, as I always do on these shows, I want to help you try to figure out the nitty gritty stuff. Endometriosis is really tricky. And I have an incredible guest that will be joining me. Her name is Dr. Lillian Shapiro. She's awesome. But what I try to do before each show, and actually I do it every day, I'm such a geek. I'm always researching. I'm always looking for new ways to help my clients. I never feel like I know enough. I always want to know and learn new things and try new things in my clinical practice, working with women virtually. And I also want to provide you with that information that can help you change your life. And today's podcast really exemplifies that. Again, we're going to take a deep dive. We're going to talk about endometriosis and pelvic pain, and that includes UTIs and talking about vaginitis. These are issues I see all the time for women. You guys are struggling with this. And as I said before, I have this awesome guest. I love Lillian Shapiro. Dr. Lillian Shapiro is a gynecologist here in Atlanta. She's been in practice for 30 years, and we were introduced by a mutual friend or colleague last summer. And she calls me on a Sunday. I think she actually texted me. And she said, hey, you want to get together this afternoon? And I said, sure. So she said, why don't we take our bikes to Pump City Market? I don't even know if I knew where that was at that time. And I took my bike over to Pump City Market. And it was so hot. And we sat in the shade. And I think we consumed massive quantities of water. It was such a hot day. But we talked for hours. And... I felt this lovely connection. So since then, we get together from time to time and we take really long walks. And many people know this that are in my life. When I ask you to go for a walk with me, we we walk to the moon. I'm out there for like two to three hours. And so Lillian is just like me, kindred spirit. And we take these long walks and we talk about everything. And we talk about women's health and how can we make a difference. Lillian really cares about her patients. She deeply does. She spends time with them. And nutrition is a real important thing for her. I don't usually get that with a lot of doctors. So one day after one of our long walks, I said, hey, Lillian, would you like to come on the show? And she said, sure. I said, what do you want to talk about? She said, I want to talk about endometriosis and pelvic pain. And I went, oh, you're pretty clear on that. I said, wonderful. We'd love to have you on the show. So we coordinated that and we set this up. And I'm really glad to have her here because I want her to talk about what she sees in her clinical practice. I want her to describe and define what is endometriosis and you know what are the things that women can do? What are their options? for not just endometriosis, but looking at issues with pelvic pain and chronic UTIs and heavy cramping during menstrual cycle. So we're going to take a deep dive. And everyone with endometriosis is really quite different. The big issue that I see, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the show, so many women have this god-awful debilitating pain. And I actually had a new client recently, and I recommended that she also work with her gynecologist 
because her pain was off the charts. And there are times that I really do recommend to clients to strategize with their gynecologist to stay on meds for a while so I can address the root causes, the underlying issues that are contributing to that pain. And I look at the gut. I look at, and we'll talk about this further, how well are women detoxifying estrogen? Estrogen dominance. We look at gut issues. Is there an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut that influences a elevation in an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase, which inhibits you from being able to detox estrogen efficiently? This contributes to endometriosis. Again, I'm looking at everything I've written here. I'm like, what do I want to say to you gals? Again, I think it's important to, at times, to combine what I do. I am the root cause detective of hormonal issues and combining that with a conventional approach. I don't want any woman to be living with pain. And I think a lot of women with endometriosis have an incredibly high threshold. You shouldn't have to miss days of work you shouldn't have to be living, and I see this a lot, on popping a lot of Advil and NSAIDs, and I've seen women do that, and oh, copious levels of Advil, and then end up with gastritis. Not a good thing. So we have to find that in between, and Dr. Shapiro will talk about endometriosis and then explain it in a way that you can really understand. Again, I want to look at what is creating this inflammatory condition. We're going to look at environmental toxins such as BPA and industrial chemicals and bacteria and mycotoxins that come from mold. And there's a lot of stuff. And little critters that live in your gut that contribute to endometriosis. And not that we talk about this a lot, and you may not know, or I think this is really significant. I feel that so many women have been exposed to chemicals, particularly BPA during utero, that has impacted their ability to detox hormones efficiently. So how does this play a role into endometriosis and pelvic pain issues and fibroids and PCOS and PMS? Well, ladies, I am so delighted you're here. Welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. And I'd like to invite my lovely guest, Dr. Lillian Shapiro. Lillian, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. It's so wonderful that you're in Atlanta. I feel that I've grown as a physician and learned so much from all of our great time hanging out, getting exercise, getting our vitamin D in the sunshine. So I moved to Atlanta about 28 years ago. And I love Atlanta. It's just a great city. All of my children were born here. I've watched some of medicine evolve in very wonderful ways, and some of medicines stay kind of stagnant, frankly. There's a lot of new exciting things going on in the medical and surgical world of endometriosis and pelvic pain. I think that what's going on in the dietary world is also very important. Mm -hmm. And in preparation for our podcast, I just this morning reviewed the American College of OBGYN options for pelvic pain and endometriosis, and they included medication and surgery and did not get to diet or did not mention diet yet. And you and I both believe very firmly that it's part of being in control of yourself in control of your your life, of your lifestyle, to watch what you're eating. And you and I have said together so many times that what goes in is very important to what's going on inside and also for what's going in to be able to come out. Yeah. And food is medicine and it is the foundation for our hormones and what we eat can influence inflammation. Right. And which is endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. And I'm again, I'm going to sprinkle in, I'm going to have Lillian talk about what she sees in her practice. And I'm going to take a deep dive into looking at how detoxification and drainage impacts inflammation and endometriosis. 
So what kind of recommendations are you making to your patients, your clients? Well, the first thing I do when I meet someone, as I'm sure you do, is we have a very in-depth history taking. Mm-hmm. And it's, so not just their medical history, but if it hurts, where does it hurt? When does it hurt? And if you're a listener out there and you're planning to go to your physician, gynecologist, about your pelvic pain or endometriosis, there are some things that they're going to want to know. And I believe that you are also going to want to share with them. Where does it, as I said, where does it hurt? When does it hurt? How long does the pain last? When did it start? So in terms of pelvic pain, you know, I read numbers from 4 to 40% of women have non-cyclic pelvic pain. Now, when a gynecologist says cyclic, we're talking about your menstrual periods and Most women experience something uh, when they're bleeding during their periods, some to the level of pain, but some not. And about one in five women have some kind of a chronic pelvic pain. So when we're talking about pelvic pain, your pelvis is the area sort of between your hips and down. So what's in there, you've got skin and muscle, and sometimes women come in and They've pulled a muscle doing a new exercise or a repetitive exercise. And most women have a sense of its muscles or its musculoskeletal, but they're still concerned because other things are down there that could cause dangerous things like your ovaries. And so then your bladder is down there. And so pelvic pain can be an acute bladder infection. It can be some kind of a chronic bladder infection or inflammation, certainly with inflammation in the bladder. That's a huge issue, which also has to do with what you're eating because it ends up sitting in your bladder. Directly behind your bladder is your uterus, can also be a source of pain, and then your ovaries and your fallopian tubes. And the other thing or organ that's down there is your colon and your intestines, And pelvic pain is often related to constipation. When I ask a patient how often they move their bowels and they say every three days, that's a lot of time for your stool to be sitting there, a weight full of things that are supposed to be coming out. And that can lead also to inflammation. And when you have inflammation from your bladder, your uterus, or your colon, all of that can hurt. And Meg, you are so amazing at working with women and their diets. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Lillian, it's so interesting that you say, when I look at so many women that I see with constipation issues or having endometriosis or having hormonal issues with PMS and PCOS, and again, UTIs, I see a lot of constipation. So I'm going to jump around a little. When you have constipation, I have to, I want to take a look at, is there an issue with bile flow? Is there an issue that this person is not drinking enough water? Is there an overgrowth of bacteria in the gut? What's causing that constipation? And a side effect or a symptom of that is if a woman is constipated, I'm going to jump around. It's funny how I, I thought I would like, you know, walk through this conversation, but I'm going to jump around a bit. Constipation is a tremendous issue when we're dealing with inflammation. Because one of the things, if there's an overgrowth of bacteria in the gut, then we can get an increase of an enzyme in the bowels called beta-glucuronidase. Beta-glucuronidase inhibits the body from detoxing estrogen efficiently. So we can be recirculating that in our bloodstream. And part of pelvic pain, and it depends on what's going on or what I see, let's say, with endometriosis or fibroids or heavy cramping, is we have a state of estrogen dominance. So I want to take, I'll take a look at what are the factors that are contributing to it. But one of those is having an overgrowth of bacteria in the gut that will stimulate an elevation of beta-glucuronidase. And that's just one of the factors. But bowel movement, I, I would say at least... 60%, 
70% of the women that I see are constipated and don't even know it. And you ask that because a lot of practitioners, a lot of doctors, physicians don't ask how many times a day, not a week. You know, women should be having one, two, maybe or three bowel movements, long, solid, healthy bowel movements daily. Right. And that all, again, has to do with pressure. Yeah. Right. What's going in? So pelvic pain, as we've just discussed, is, you know, not necessarily always caused by your pelvic organs, but all gynecologists need to be aware, obviously, of everything in that region. So pelvic pain comes in a variety of forms. One is acute. So Acute happens suddenly and is generally severe. Chronic is a pelvic pain that's been around for more than six months. So acute, you should go see your doctor and get a urinalysis and potentially a urine culture if you're having classic symptoms of having to pee all the time and it burns when you pee and you feel like you have to go and there's nothing there. So if you have all three of those and they just suddenly set in, you could well have a urinary tract infection. And sometimes a person can get rid of them at home from drinking a lot of water and taking something inexpensive over the counter like azo or a cranberry pill. D-manos is helpful too. Yes, and exactly. D-manos has also been, people have known about that actually for many years, but most people don't know about it. It's kind of funny. And, but if it persists, you don't, if it persists, you really do need to find out if you need antibiotics. And I would say if you're in menopause, you probably want to get in sooner rather than later because menopausal women are a little more prone to getting very sick from a urinary tract infection and also not even having symptoms so we'll move down. So we, there we started at the bladder. Other things that can cause sudden pelvic pain or acute with fibroids, if a fibroid is losing its blood supply. So there's something called a polyp, which lives inside the lining of the uterus. And if they, they can get moved around with activity and sometimes they can hurt. So that, that is something that can be seen on an ultrasound. If the ovary is enlarged, and is twisting or suddenly growing or bleeds into itself, that can be sudden pain. Now, some women have sudden pain when they ovulate, called Mittelschmerz, and some women get this every month, lasts for a couple hours, goes away, no big deal. Some women will have a very severe episode once, and then it may never happen again. So once it's lasted for six months, so endometriosis um, and adenomyosis tend to uh, be more long-term, lasting more than six months. And they have a lot to do with inflammation. And, um, and if I could just interject. Yes. So what I look at and when I'm seeing these symptoms, and it, maybe if I can just bring this into the conversation and kind of dance with it for a little bit. A lot of times I will have send someone to their gynecologist because I want to see what, what's causing the pain. Is there something else going on? Is it, is it a fibroid? Is it a polyp that's causing heavy bleeding? Sometimes I get women with fibroids and, and UTIs and vaginitis at the same time. So I have to take a step back and then take a look at why is this person so inflamed? And Part of the picture with pelvic pain and endometriosis and UTIs and heavy periods and PCOS, I look at our overall health and ability to detox effectively and safely is so dependent on the body's capacity to drain and remove toxins. So what does that mean? If you look at, a, I, I use this analogy with, with clients a lot. You have a pool, the water in the pool is incredibly murky. It's really brown and pretty gross. You have to figure out what's going on in the pool. I can continue to throw water in the pool and try to dilute it. Or I can say, hmm, I need to look at the filters in the pool and figure out what's clogging the filters and address that underlying issue. I've got to pull out the debris, but I've also got to figure out why the filters getting clogged. So a way of looking at this is that if there's blockage 
or stagnation, then toxins that should be dumped into the bile and move through the bile ducts, and they should be ushered out via the kidneys and the bowels. Instead, what's happening is that they're being ushered into the bloodstream. So the main filters in your pool are your liver ducts, your bile ducts, your lymphatic system, your kidneys, and your bowels. As we mentioned, it is crucial to have regular bowel movement. Before I do anything with anyone, I've got to make sure that people have regular bowel movements. If you're not draining, if this these filters are not open, you're not going to be able to detox. So this is what I see a lot with endometriosis, fibroids, and a lot of UTI issues. I've got to make sure that our body can detox. And the body is remarkably efficient in detoxing, but the big kahuna is what's preventing us from detoxing? Environmental toxins. And that we find in our foods, such as heavy metals and plastics and pesticides and radiation and mycotoxins. I mean, I don't know. I I just heard this the other day in a webinar and I looked it up. The average person is ingesting what is equivalent to the plastic, which is five grams of uh, plastic in a credit card. Or uh, people are consuming the plastic of what is a credit card weekly. So there was an article in The Guardian, I believe it was yesterday, about organic farmers in Maine. They had to throw out their milk. They had to get rid of their crop. And these are organic farmers in Maine who were trying the hardest to provide us with healthy, non-toxic food. But in one of them, the farmer who owned the farm before him had put this sludge over the field that left, I think it's BPOAs, Mm -hmm. all, I mean, everything's contaminated. And for a long, long time to come, not just this year's crop. And it's just devastating. It is. And it's hard to avoid these things. And that's why when I work with people, you know, for me, detoxing is a daily, it's a daily activity. It's like, what are we eating? And we'll go through that. What can I recommend to help keep the liver and keep the bile flow and keep the bowels if open and making sure that you are detoxing efficiently. So here's something kind of fascinating and I think is part of it. A lot of times when people are not detoxing efficiently, they're feeling kind of tired and fatigued. And the mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of ourselves, something's happening with the mitochondrial energy. So glucose combined with oxygen helps produce ATP. That's the energy that is- I had to uh, memorize that many times. I know, right? People forget about that. Your mitochondria are the energy sites in your cells. I think it is so fascinating that, for example, the liver has 2,000 mitochondria per each cell. And I think the heart, let me see. Yeah, the heart has- 5,000 mitochondria per cell. Right, that's in the, the heart muscle. Center. I mean, it's, it's, and a mature egg um, has 100,000 to 600,000 mitochondria per cell. I don't think they knew that when I was in medical school. I'm, it just blows my mind. So I have to, again, I go back to the drains in the pool. If we're bombarded by a lot of toxins, if we, we have to look at our diet, and we'll, we'll go into that. And what are we eating? Are we efficiently detoxing? And here's another thing, Lillian, that I've been, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm creating a program called PCOS Revolution, and it's a program to help women with PCOS. And what I found in my research and studies is that what happens if you are, you know, since the 1940s, we've been bombarded by plastics. Plastics, we just bathe in plastics. As I said, we're ingesting like, you know, five grams of plastic, a credit card a week. And where is that coming from? It's coming from our food. It's what we're inhaling. It's what we're drinking. It's in our water. So what if during utero, your mother is, and all our mothers, were exposed to all these environmental toxins? And what if these BPA actually influenced the development of your endocrine system and hormone signaling. And I believe that's part of the picture because women with PCOS that's been shown have a difficult time detoxing 
heavy metals, and BPA. Well, I'm not sure any of us are designed to detox no, metals but, and BPA. Right, but, but it's interesting if you, none of us, but what if some people are having more of an issue? So what if, is this part of the trigger? If it's, it's this cascade of different things, everyone's affected very differently in utero. But I just think it's interesting if you're brought into this world, you're compromised in how you detox, and then you live in a world where you're bombarded by these things. It's very important to figure out how do I help women and how do we all help women detox on a regular, healthy basis to drive down this inflammation. So this inflammation that you say that you see in different stages, I think, even with endometriosis, what do you feel? So I think that whether the exposure, so there's some exposure or whatever exposure in utero, I think people are, I'm not sure there's a lot of data right now looking at newborns, but there's a ton of data out there looking at BPAs in everything. So once you're out of the womb, there's so much, there's so much in the environment. And so like what we physicians look at, so just pelvic pain in general, and then specifically endometriosis. What endometriosis is at the molecular level are uterine lining cells. So your the uterus that most people think of when they think of a picture of the uterus, the most part of the uterus is a muscle. It's a smooth muscle. So the muscles you use in your legs for walking, in your arms, you know, lifting, lifting things, those are striated muscle. And your heart and your uterus are smooth muscle. But the lining of that are different cells. So the cells that build up every month, build up your lining and then slough off it with your period are endometrial cells. And one in 10 women in their 30s to 40s has endometriosis. And four in 10 women suffering with fertility problems have endometriosis. The most common symptom of endometriosis, and some women have no symptoms, the most common symptom is pelvic pain, often right before or during a period. And then other for other women, it's primarily pain with sex, uh, with penetration, and or any or all of the above. And sometimes the pain of endometriosis is all the time. And those women may well be, you could, trying a diet first is always a great thing. And some of those women also have pain with their bowel movements because the endometriosis is on or even inside the bowel. And they tend to have terrible pain moving their bowels specifically with their periods. And doesn't that tissue bleed at the same time when you have your period? Correct. So it can yeah, be bleeding that's internally really, and you see blood in your stool. Yeah. It can be external and you just have the pain. Right. So what we have in our medical arsenal, as you started off mentioning non-steroidals mm -hmm. uh, like ibuprofen, Advil. So some women have found a lot of relief if they take that the day before their period and the first day of. And now with an app, many women have a much better sense of when their period is coming. But unless you're pretty regular, your app isn't going to tell you. In the medication department are various, so all of these are designed, other than the NSAIDs, to suppress the amount of estrogen that, or stabilize the amount of estrogen that is going to the pelvis. So combination birth control pills like estrogen and progesterone, just progesterone, and then we used to give women shots of things that caused all kinds of menopausal symptoms and Lupron. Lupron, correct. Evil. So something now less harsh than Lupron. It's also what's called a gonadotropin releasing agonist. So this pill goes into the pituitary and it, or not the pill, the products that when you swallow it, and it binds to your gonadotropin releasing cells in the pituitary so that you don't send so much follicle stimulating hormone to the ovary so that then the ovary is not making estrogen. How is that different from birth control pill? So the birth control pills have the progesterone in the birth control pill suppresses ovulation. Okay. 
so you're not ovulating. So this is giving you a much lower level of estrogen. So you'll still be ovulating. It is not contraception. No, I get that. No, and I was just going to ask that. Yeah, is, but you're still, I, I, I think it's important for women to ovulate. Right. So unless the ovulation is associated with some type of terrible pain. So when I have women with menstrual migraines mm-hmm. and one of our things that we do with menstrual migraines is to prevent menstruation and shut down the whole system basically so that this cycle, because the migraines are triggered by a change, by a change in the cycle. And so what we're trying to do on the gynecologic end of it is to sort of keep a steady state. Mm -hmm. And then after our medications, you know, the next thing are surgeries in the course of my many years. So when I was in training, our attendings were also sort of learning how to do laparoscopy. Prior to that, everyone had had a big open incision. And then through the course of my career after laparoscopies evolved into robotic surgeries. And so with endometriosis and sometimes unexplained pelvic pain, because you can't see endometriosis on an ultrasound, on an MRI, on a CAT scan, the only way to officially diagnose endometriosis is through a surgery, a laparoscope, which is a camera that goes in the belly button, and then taking little biopsies of the tissue and sending them to the lab. We discussed before the the show, you said that usually when people have these procedures to remove that, the adhesions and scar tissue, that it comes back in a couple of years. Right. So surgery is always, to me, the last resort. So I always encourage women. So sometimes people will come to me and say, I really want to know if I have endometriosis. I want surgery. And I mean, that's certainly their right, but I would much prefer for them that they try various methods and certainly would love for them to see you to control the pain without surgery. Because as, yeah, so eight out of 10 women who have surgery or 80% for their endometriosis, they have some relief for a little while. And then by two years, they're back in pain. And that's where you and I've had this conversation, because if we have to take a look at the root cause of what's causing that. And if I can just interject, the liver is the primary site for estrogen metabolism. And what feeds us, as you even said, is you want to quiet, you want to calm down the estrogen. I want to take a look at why are these women not detoxing estrogens and or estrogen and Actually, a very healthy gallbladder, liver, bile flow, gut digestion, daily bowel movement is all a part of that. But what we really have to take a look at is the liver, which is the big filter in the pool. And the liver is so important in detoxification. So when I'm looking at women that have this this state of cramping, heavy bleeding, they're bloating, they're passing clots, fibroids, all, all these things that Lily and I are discussing... I'm, I'm going to look at how do I open, I'm going to simplify this, how do I open the pathways in liver phase one and two to help you excrete that through the bowels and excrete that through urine? And supplements are actually foods that I really look at are, I look at foods that are rich in sulfur, such as broccoli and cabbage and Brussels sprouts and kale and cauliflower. But to really hit it on a therapeutic level, I will recommend things like DIM, also furafane or calcium deglucurate, which actually lowers the, the beta-glucuronidase, which really influences that enzyme to diminish it. So if I can support a woman in having the right nutrients and in opening up bile flow, bile estrogen can actually congest uh, or diminish bile flow. So that is why it is so important with the liver because the liver produces bile. You need bile to help you excrete toxins. So doing everything in terms of diet and looking at cruciferous vegetables and looking at greens, and I'll go into this in a little more, but therapeutically giving supplements that support that detoxification of estrogen is profound. I mean, Lillian, I've seen changes within just a couple of months and 
coupling that with diet and, and doing some other things that we'll discuss. But the liver is crucial in detoxification of estrogen and bringing down inflammation. And we have to, again, look at what are the things that really influence the health of the liver. So I'll go into a little more of that, but I just wanted to interject that at this time. Right. I think that's that's so important because there are so, so many mysteries and the gut and the brain are so interrelated. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we had talked about also is trauma and particularly sexual trauma as it relates to pelvic pain. I just last year, actually March 2021, UN did a study in the UK and 97% of women aged 18 to 24 experience some form of sexual harassment in public places, 97%. And that's just crazy that so many women and have some type of pelvic trauma. And I'm not saying those, they were all assaulted, but women associate sexual harassment with their pelvic organs. And there are just so many issues. And a lot of times when I have women who really have a hard time with pelvic exam, there is a history of some type of sexual trauma or assault. And yeah. those, there's so much pain trapped in there because of that. Well, I've had clients over the years that were actually sexually assaulted in college and it didn't register that may be part of the issue with pelvic pain, which may may seem obvious to some people or something, an incident that happened in childhood. And it can be sexual. It can be an issue of boundaries. it, It can be a variety of factors, but so much lands in the pelvis, you know, so much lands in this second chakra where we can give birth to things in our lives. What is halting us? What is causing something, that energy to be blocked in that area? Because what we think and what we feel has such a tremendous effect on where we hold tension and restriction. It means for some people, we hold it in the jaw. Some people hold it in the shoulders. But a lot of people, and I'm seeing it more and more, and maybe more and more women are just talking about it, see a considerable amount of women that are experiencing so much pelvic pain and restriction. And some of them, I've had them just even recently in my practice, didn't realize that that was an issue, that they were having pain during intercourse. And I said, you know, this could be some pelvic floor issues going on. Right. So pelvic floor spasms, just general muscle tightness, and also the gut. Guarding. You know, everything is so, it's such an interesting weave, such an interesting web. You know, I can say to women, yes, eat cruciferous vegetables. Yeah, I'm going to put you on a product that has DIM in it, sulforaphane, calcium deglucurate. Yes, I'm going to give you, recommend a probiotic that has lactobacillus and bifida uh, bacterium because that helps in detoxing those estrogens. But I also have to look at where's the joy in your life? Are you holding on to stress? You know, how are you sleeping? How are you, again, how are you managing your stress? Your stress can punch holes in in your gut lining and, and actually disrupt the microbiome. Where are we holding on to things in our lives? How are we able to express who we are with a breath of safety? And feeling that we're being heard and we're being seen. I know you're heard and seen because I know I've worked with some of your your patients are really sweet. But that's so important. I don't feel I feel that many women don't feel seen and heard and not just in, in doctor's offices, but how they are in the world or they can't speak up about the trauma they've experienced. And that includes myself. You know, I mean, many of us have experienced trauma and we just we hold it down and we don't talk about it. And I really am very thankful for the incredible, you know, pelvic therapists that are out there that just do amazing work with women. And they, you know, they too, they open the door of possibility so that these women also, I feel in counseling can talk about some of their issues and release a lot of what's going on. It is such a web when you're dealing with endometriosis and pain and and different things because it's that mind-body-spirit connection. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah, mind-body-spirit. That is the key. It is, and 
I want women to feel that they can express who they are in the world and to live with debilitating pain is a wretched thing. And to, you know, you had mentioned that women can take an NSAID a few days before their cycle. I want to make sure that we can also minimize that because that kind of trashes the microbiome. But we have to find ways to address that. And and that's why I feel that when I'm working with endometriosis, having a strategy between someone like you and myself to to manage that pain and bring it down. But I want to, I am going to flip back to pelvic pain. I'm seeing a lot of women, particularly in the past year, pelvic pain, UTIs, and chronic vaginitis altogether. So there's this holding pattern of an energetic holding pattern. This is where I feel sometimes, you know, I was an acupuncturist. I'm not practicing now, but for 27 years, acupuncture is an incredible way to just open up that area in the body energetically. And I think back, there was a a gal, this was about 25 years ago when I was in practice. And a friend of mine said, my friend is in deep, deep depression she was about 24 at the time. She lost her father in an avalanche. It was the second wow. one he was in. He was killed. And deep sadness. And he, I said, I don't know. I guess I'll try. And she came in and I gave her an acupuncture treatment. I'm going to get choked up. And her friend, or she reached out to me and she said, you lifted something. I don't feel that grief anymore. Wow. That's so the reason, I mean, and it's, st- I mean, I just, wherever she was, that session, it wasn't me. I was able to hold the space and do and place needles in to allow her to process and release. And I feel that when we're dealing with people that are having issues of pain and different stuff, how can you energetically bring about a shift? Makes me want to do some more acupuncture because acupuncture is pretty profound. You know, even having energy work and working with a, a pelvic floor, a really good therapist that can hold that vulnerable space with a woman is part of the picture. Because again, you know, you can give people all different types of medication and I can do all these different things in encouraging a healthy diet and detoxification. But what is so important is how are we finding joy in our lives. And I've I've said this repeatedly, and I probably will bring it up again in other podcasts. Your uterus, that whole pelvic area is considered your small heart. How is the large heart engaging that? How do we bring about healing? How do we pull in and draw that healing energy in that becomes part of the process? Sometimes it's miraculous to see, I, I start working with individuals and I make changes in their diet and We do things with detoxification and something changes in the way they're being in the world. And all of a sudden these patterns and these different things start to clear. And I believe our, you know, how we think and how we feel has such an incredible impact on our, our overall healing on a cellular level. And you have such a great relationship and establish such a great relationship with your clients. And I think that's very inspirational to have someone who is really going to support you because it's not just being handed a list of Mm -mm. do these 10 things, eat these 10 things, because firstly, it's a lot that you go over with, with people. It's not a one-stop shop. It's a long, it's it's a process. It's a process. It's a whole person. And you are so great at really, talking to and listening to people and taking in the whole process. And and it's, you're not just dealing with, since I'm here as the gynecologist, you're not just dealing with their pelvis. You're not just dealing with their pelvic pain or their endometriosis. You're dealing with the whole person, the whole person. And I think that is so important and crucial. I say to people, I lean in as I will lean in with you because this to me, this process that I work through with people to me is like, it's that long labor, you know, you're going through labor. You're it's, it's a journey of how do you, it's giving birth to a new version of who they are. I love that analogy. So when I'm working with pelvic pain or I'm working with PCOS, it can take months 
It can take up to a year to really create that beautiful, what some people might think is radical, that profound change that holds because you're changing the way that someone is thinking. You're changing the way that they view their lifestyle and the choices that they make. You know, when I work with food programs, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle choice. So how can I assist people in eating in a cleaner, healthier fashion to get those cruciferous vegetables and those leafy greens in every day, to get that really clean, pastured, you know, grass-fed beef and pastured chicken and getting cold water fish into their diet and making that and, and eating healthy fats and nuts, but real food, staying away from all that processed shit. There's so much processed food out there. that right. is, And you and, oh you and I are both dealing with busy women. I mean, yes. Finding yes. A woman Thank you out for bringing that up. Yes. Busy, taking care of herself, her children, oh my God. working outside the home, not working outside the They're home. They're in charge of the tribe. Right. Women are so involved in taking care of others. And in my office, I mean, I start with exercise 20 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be vigorous. Just get up, walk. I have one woman who, when I first suggested the idea of exercise, she couldn't possibly happen, never told me all about, went through her whole, I went Mm -hmm. through her whole day with her. And I said, the only time I see, I know you're not a morning person, is 5.30 in the morning because from 6.30 on, everyone else, your child, your family, your work, and lo and behold, a year later, she and her older child were doing boot camp together at 5.30 in the morning. It was a great bonding thing for them. She felt better. Actually, she got a teenager at 5.30 a.m. boot camp, which I don't know if that was harder or easier than getting her to 5.30 a.m. boot camp. But it's really working with people with where they are, which is an understanding that life is busy. You are busy. and But that there has to be time. And to start, you know, start small if you can. I mean, if you can start with the whole overhaul, that is fantastic because obviously the more you do, the quicker, but you're going to get results. But people really have to understand that this is not overnight. No. And it's funny because Lillian, a lot of people I'm working with, they're, they're getting up before Jesus and, and just working out way too early, but they're not getting enough sleep. Yeah. So I've said to people, you are exhausted. You must get eight hours of sleep. And I said, for now, I want you to find a time during the day. And even if it's twice a day, go for a 20 minute walk, do two 20 minute walks, get outside, get sun, get light. And people are like, I can do that. I'm like, yeah, get up. I mean, I think before the podcast, I said to you, I just ordered like a high tech standing desk because I've been doing way too much sitting because I do way too much writing and I I work a lot online. So I just started getting some sciatica and I went, this is from sitting too much. So now I have a, I'm going to get a standing desk so I can adjust and go back and forth. And I too, I make sure you know this, I go for long walks and I do work out, but I have to move. We all need to move physically and psychologically. It just makes such a difference and sleep sleep. You can't cheat sleep. You know, I don't know about you and your practice. I mean, I have women like five, six hours of sleep and like, that's not enough. And that makes such a difference in our hormones. Right. Absolutely. And I got to bring this up. Oh, women are not going to like this. Alcohol can be a real issue in detoxing estrogen. More than one drink can interfere with, you know, eliminating estrogens efficiently, and that can also contribute to the inflammatory picture. So I say to people, please be mindful in your drinking. And sometimes if you're really in a state of inflammation, it's just worth completely cutting it out for a while and giving your body and your sweet little liver and your your whole drainage and detox system a little rest you know, taking and, that burden off. I think it's important. I feel, I know it's important. And what are they self-medicating? Oh, self-medicating? Oh, yeah. They are self-medicating with alcohol. Yeah. And what is the issue there? Are they depressed? Yes. Are they anxious? It, maybe if they got their own endorphins going. 
to yeah. relieve some of their anxiety, that that's quite a bit of well, alcohol you're talking about right there. And, and, and you know, that consumption has gone up a lot over the past two years. And now that we're coming out of this period, so many women have said to me that reach out from all over the country. They're like, I've been drinking a little too much over the past few years. I want to start incorporating healthier lifestyle habits. So I think that's uh, that's incredibly important. One thing, too, that people don't drink enough water. So let's, I want to talk a little about water. The Environmental Working Group came out with a study of water all over the United States. And I have come to the conclusion that I uh, will stay with distilled water. We're finding so many chemicals in tap water that Brita filters aren't clearing and even in spring water. And definitely, people, please don't drink tap water. Right. Or make sure that you use a, a charcoal filter. A ch- I was just going to say thank you. At the, are- yeah. Make sure at the very least a, a charcoal. I mean, you may not want to. I think the Berkey water system is really, really good. But we're challenged by what's in our water. And those chemicals also impact our hormones. And here's something I just wanted to bring up. And the Environmental Working Group had done this quite a few years ago. They had done testing um, drew on 10 umbilical cords. I think they did this a couple of times and found over, I don't know, I think it was like 250 toxins. So moms unintentionally were passing this into their baby in utero. And these studies were done back, I think, even to 2009. So that toxic load has increased. And that's one of the reasons why when I work with women trying that want to have a baby, I think that preconception period for a year, and particularly I get people with endometriosis and PCOS are looking to have babies. I want to help them detox those BPAs and glyphosates and all those things and minimize that as much as possible before they get pregnant. It would be amazing if we could measure how much is coming out in urine and stool of the BPAs. The other thing with water, though, is that so people who are trekking around with their water bottles need to have a metal water bottle. I was going to say, yeah, the plastic. the plastic, especially as we come into the summer, the phytoestrogens leach out of the plastic in your water. The same thing, do not keep plastic water bottles in your car because it's going to get hot and the phytoestrogens will leach out. In fact, they leach out of any plastic. They leach out, especially into things like potato chips. If you have a plastic bag with that doesn't have a foil lining in it, that phytoestrogens from the plastic, just especially something fatty like a potato chip, is just it's bad for you on so many levels. So I think water is great. Another warning on water is people drink a lot of water all day long, or for women who do, sometimes especially once they hit menopause, if they don't stop drinking early enough, then their sleep is interrupted because they have to get up and empty their bladder and then they refill their water and then they have to empty it out again. But then don't we have to look at lower estrogen levels? See, that's where I look at bioidenticals. if, If your bladder is full, you have to empty it. Of course, but that frequent urination and even those UTIs that women get when they've gone through menopause, because, hey, I'm there, um, and I do bioidenticals, and and I find that that's something to really consider looking at. I'm a big proponent. I mean, this is another podcast. Yes, um, I was going to say, how I'm can a big proponent of of uh, biased and progesterone? You know, whether a woman has a uterus or not, I'm very. I feel that when we when it comes to giving estrogen, there's a lot of protective qualities to progesterone and women that have had endometriosis. And I have a, I think I've, I've referred someone to you. They removed her uterus and she's on estrogen. And she also noticed that she started gaining some weight. But, and I know you said this, if a woman's had a uterus removed, then it's not necessary to give her progesterone, but you have to think about the breast tissue because that's also a receptor site for estrogen. And I just find it very balanced. I don't know. It's just... I, I was having this conversation with my bio-identical uh, pharmacist. I love her. She's in uh-huh. Charleston. We were talking about bio-identicals, and she, too, was saying um, progesterone is is very important. But I, you know, that's just, I, I think, bio-identicals and looking at that as women go through menopause because there's a lowering of estrogen, it could could really make a difference. 
I right. love I love how we're going all over. I think this right. is re- so, it's important talking stuff. about estrogen. When yeah. you're talking about hormones and and breast cancer, there are what they look at and what generally end up being together is estrogen receptors and progesterone receptors. Well, breast. so you can't say that one is stimulating and one no, is but not. You, but but there, yeah, but I, I, what is you know? Here we are. Women have a menstrual cycle. They have estrogen and progesterone, and right, women but- women that have endometriosis are in a state of estrogen dominance. I, even after they have their uterus removed or had surgery, I, I put them on DIM. I want to make sure that their estrogen pathways are efficiently detoxing estrogens. So I think estrogen is a beautiful hormone. I just feel in my clinical experience and with the, the docs, you know, but the bioidentical pharmacists that I know and just my reading, I think it's, it's, um, it's very protective and that's what I take. But I'm also taking things that help me manage the estrogens that are out there in the world. I mean, we're bombarded by xenoestrogens every day, just like I said, that that plastic. So, yeah, I, I hear you, but I, I that's just what I see, and, and I that's my thing. Well, no, I'm sure you, like me, manage every woman in menopause differently because everyone responds differently yeah. to different things. So Absolutely. I don't have a regimen or a protocol, every person comes in and different things bother them. And I know that you are also great about addressing. Oh yeah. And, and I think if somebody is going to be on estrogen, the the recommendation I would make again, eat a lot of cruciferous vegetables. You want to make sure that your, you know, those sulfur vegetables really help in proper detoxification of estrogen. So that broccoli and the cauliflower, I love fermented veggies. Did you know that women, Polish women have the lowest rate of breast cancer in the world? Because they consume, this is true. They can, I read this in a PubMed report last year. They consume around 30 pounds of sauerkraut a year annually. Wow. It's helping the microbiome. It's a cruciferous vegetable. So, you, you know, you have all those incredible, it's high fiber, so it's an amazing fermented veggies. Also, you know, we're all talking about probiotics. Probiotics are great, but I think women and all of us should be focusing more on fermented foods. That's what gives us a really strong, healthy microbiome. And the prebiotics are just eating a lot of different vegetables and eating onions and garlics and shallots. It's just uh, eating, you know, living off a farm. Sometimes I wish I could live down the block from a farmer and just go pick my food. Right. As long as they didn't have sludge on their... I know. Shit. I know. It's really, really hard. And then again, it's, it's just, it's the challenge. It's the, we can't hide from it. So right. I guess what I try to say to people, I try to have them eat as smartly as I can. I can make my recommendations, but the ongoing recommendations. And another thing I, I spoke to you about is fulvic acid and humic acid that we find in soil. And yeah, tell me about yeah, really cool. I was talking to Stuart Hoover. He's got a company called Mother Earth Labs. And I use uh, another line called Cellcor, and they have something called CT Minerals, and they both use humic and fulvic acid. Fulvic acid is, it's in our soil, but sadly our soil has become quite depleted. And what fulvic acid does, it helps in ushering in nutrients into the cells. It helps to usher out toxins, and it helps to create that charge in the cells to support mitochondrial activity and function. So when I've put people on just drops of this a day, 10, 20 drops twice a day, their energy is getting better. And it also works as a binder, as I said, to pull toxins out. There's a lot of incredible stuff out there that can really, really help keep us in an optimal place. And like I said, I am such a geek. I'm always trying to figure out what can I recommend to people and at the same time, try to minimize what they're taking. And the reason I love fulvic acid is because it helps us to absorb our nutrients better. It helps us to absorb CoQ10 better, which supports mitochondrial function. I mean, there's so many, many things, but we are approaching the end of our podcast. And I would just like to say, looking at how you're, you know, what we can do to support your liver, eating a lot of really good cruciferous vegetables, sulforaphane, 
looking at DIM, um, calcium to glucurate, getting in healthy fats, lean, healthy grass-fed and pastured proteins, healthy nuts and oils. And if you would like to work with me and we can take a lovely deep dive and create an incredible program that's going to help you along this journey, whether it be PCOS or endometriosis or PMS or struggling with weight. And by the way, a lot of women that struggle with weight, it has so much to do with plastics and pesticides and how well they're detoxing them because they have obesogenic qualities to them. So I want to thank Lillian. Lillian, what would you like to close with my love? What would you like to say to all our gals here? She's rock. She's a really good gynecologist to see here in Atlanta. So thank you all for having me. It's been so great talking to you. I always learn so much. And as you have mentioned, our world is changing. And I think everybody needs to be on board with taking the best care of themselves that they can. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I love, Lillian, that you really have this conversation with women about nutrition and diet. A lot of doctors don't, and you take the time to do that. And I really, I want to commend you for that because that's such an important piece for all women. So again, thank you all for joining me today. If you like what you are hearing, please subscribe to the show and give me a lovely thumbs up review or share this with your friends. And if you would like to work with me, you can reach me at megrichichi.com. That's at my website. And in the next episode, I am going to be launching my program called the PCOS Revolution. Very excited about it. And until next time, I want to wish you all a beautiful and lovely, happy spring and take good care and welcome. And thank you for joining the Hormone Lifestyle Zone.